Mike Kissarm. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Take two. Welcome to episode 176 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. For a moment there, I didn't know who the hell I was or where I was or what show this was, and it seems to have been one of those weeks. Episode 176, Lonnie, St. Louis Kiss. What's up? Marcus Almighty, Mark. Greetings. And 69th Blizzard, Ken. Good gentlemen to see you again. Let's just do the news quickly. Tomorrow is April the 27th, which means happy birthday, the original, the one and only... He's a card, Ace Fairly, and apparently he's got a special announcement, so check out his website, his Twitter, or whatever. Right. Maybe, maybe it's him yeah. wishing himself a happy birthday. Who knows? Uh, Perfect. You know, just glad he's around to to tweet. There we go. Yes. Uh, other news? I don't know. Uh, there's nothing really this week of interest. Um, nope, that's it. Uh, I did just uh, read a, a, a comment on the FAQ message board and no, it's not that one that everyone's been reading. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah, uh, that another infamous one. <laughs> it was um, one poster suggesting that Vinnie Vincent is over exposing himself at this point with all these shows that he's appearing on. He was in Australia on an Australian podcast this morning. He's been on the fantastic talking metal. Good job to Mark and the team there. Uh, obviously he's been on decibel geek. He's been on, has he called into the kiss room yet? No, but I'm sure he will and of course the guys from three sides of the coins uh did a great uh q a with him at the spooky so just a yes no maybe what 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 are your thoughts ken is he overexposing himself or after 30 years or 20 years um no amount of too, long, too much is too much because as as take, take it while you can us in the wrong way uh, you yeah know. as long as he doesn't go the full bill cosby <laughs> i don't want to yeah if he comes out in a trench coat you know i may have I'm putting the blinders on. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, as for exposing, I don't know. He's been gone for so long. Um, I think he's just excited to be back and wants to get out there. It sounds like he want, really wants to, um, you know, get out there and, and meet the fans and sell some stuff. And and, uh, and hopefully, you know, he says he's going to, you know, do some new music or release some music. So, uh, as of this point, I don't think it's overexposing. I think it's it's just excitement. Agreed, Mark. Uh, I don't think so. I think that he's uh you know like you said he's been in the shadows for so long. Now he kind of seems to want to make up for it and uh, you know ex- get exposed on as many different shows as possible. And I think he'll continue to do that. that so. There's a lot of meat on the carcass of Vinny's career to talk about on different shows. No one show is going to cover everything that everyone wants to know. It's going to take a book by Vinny, and maybe these interviews are going to help him get some of his thoughts in order. He seems to be coming across very well in them. But there is so much that I think the fans want to know about him. He's a bit of an enigma. enigma. I can't speak today. I'm doomed. Um, you know, so... You know, I haven't listened to any of them. i got to catch up with it. And uh, Lonnie, what are your thoughts? Overexposed, not exposed enough? Absolutely not overexposed. I think it's fantastic that Penny's out there and doing these things. I mean, I a year ago this time, I would have, you know, done just about anything for anything Vinny-related because we haven't heard from him in so long. So I think all this Vinny 
exposure is fantastic. I can't get enough of it. I can't listen to enough of any Vincent interviews. I mean, we haven't had one in 20 years. So I think it's, I think it's great. I'm enjoying every minute of it and I can't, I can't get enough of it. So absolutely not. No such thing as overexposure. This is Kiss we're talking about. Overexposure? What's that? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> and, and he didn't mention. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, actually, to be honest with you. I mean, he didn't no mention on it. He did mention in a few episodes of the of some of these podcasts that he is working on a book now. So there's your answer to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Well, the Kiss That's FAQ panel answer. says, no, he is not overexposed. Keep it coming. Vinny, we want to hear more about you, your life, your career, your work. And uh, hopefully at some point I'll get the opportunity to talk to you. Okay. Yeah. To, today I want to start a, a little new micro feature at the beginning of every episode. It's where we get you. Ken, you came up with kiss experiences, your kiss experiences for the week. See, I not a you good one. Trademark. You better trademark that. No. Not a good one yeah. when I can't speak yeah, to right. even try and say. But it's uh, you know, pick a one or a couple of things that you've listened to or watched or purchased or obtained in the past week. Uh, give us their context. You know, just a, a little week to week as a kiss fan. I'm gonna get started with. A, I had a couple of things lined up for this. Number one. I was sitting in my car yesterday. I'm like, you know, I really want to listen to Badlands. So I, yes. I went on my, I usually got a USB loaded in there. And you know what? I did not have it in my car. I was bummed out. I didn't have any Ramones either, which I got to fix that. So I came home today, mm-hmm. ripped that. It's going on my USB stick that lives in my car. Um, still to this day, I didn't know who Eric Singer really was in 1989. I was just beginning to kind of discover, you know, obviously I was a fan of Ray and jakey lee which is why i got into badlands and knew that that album was coming because the amount of hype in the metal magazines that album i mean after listening to it and dusk today it still stands the test of time very 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 well and i can't wait to have that back in the car another thing from the week was um you know i i'm still working on kiss's touring history that's a never-ending um job a life a calling i'm sure it's the same with jeff and kurt that they are always looking for new information well same with me and i was reading some old interviews i posted one of them up on the faq and on facebook this week and it had some great stuff um they are loud and stupid which admits them to a very broad category and just because eight thousand morons go politely and harmlessly berserk whenever an overdressed clown shouts rock and roll through an overloud pa does not mean that the thing is taking place and if it does then an inquest is long overdue that reviewer in britain's nme was um the september the 9th show 1980 at wembley and he was brutal um, he got mm-hmm. Paul mixed up with Ace, so he's uh, disrespecting yeah. Ace all through this That's review. Right. He's getting his facts wrong. He's accusing Paul of ingratiating himself to the audience by saying, England, I hope you kick Finland's ass tomorrow. Well, number one, Paul clearly says on the recording, Norway, who they were playing the next day as part of the uh, 1982 <laughs> World Cup qualifyings, they won 4-0. Um, so, you know, he, he got a whole bunch of shit wrong. He insulted fans. He insulted Kiss. But the best part comes at the end of the review. It says, the mind can only boggle at how much more successful they'd be if they all woke up to that, that they're a pantomime act. Uh, exploited it mercil- mercilessly and stopped pretending to be a rock band, even if it is only for the benefit of their audience, which surprisingly it isn't. Egos are at stake. And there's the key mm. part at the end. The classic 1980 yeah, yeah. bootleg, Egos at Stake, there's, yeah, where, you, there's yeah. where your title comes from. Um, 
you know, I, I was glad to finally get a copy of the review to, you know, actually have in print what I knew had been said about that. So I listened to that uh, bootleg because obviously I wanted to go and fact check what Paul was saying to make sure that it matched up with, um, you know, what's in the review. So great show. One of the best from that tour. Um, I've got one more thing afterwards. Ken, let's go to you. Okay. Well, of course, I uh, recently, like everyone else, uh, had bought that, you know, Destroyer, or many of us, I guess, some of us, um, the Destroyer red vinyl, but I'm not going to show that. Everyone's seen it all over the web um, and everything. But I decided to buy uh, uh, <laughs> something uh, that I haven't been collecting these or anything, but I decided to, to go ahead and, and get this mm. one here. I do want to get those. The, the Gene Simmons, uh, the you know, the Dynasty uh, outfits, uh, t- figures, toy company. Yeah, thanks. Let's see. Julian's a big fan of the action figures. The face. <laughs> Blocking it out. And they made his face kind of like the, you know, the cover of Dynasty. Uh, it's pretty cool. It has a cape and, and all. And I don't have all the series that came out. I don't have all the, I mean, I had the original, I still have the original Mego Dolls that I bought back in the late seventies. Plus I got, I think the first album series from the same company here, just the first album, but I didn't buy anything else until, until I saw the dynasty one. I thought, yeah, I'm going to, I'll go ahead and get the gene one and that's it. I'm just getting the gene. So I've never been into the action figures. I want to set, I believe it may have been Chris uh, Kiss Freaks back in 1998, right after I'd moved to the, the U.S. And I was living with this Dutch lady, and she was like very direct, and she saw the box. She says, what the hell is that crap? In a very strong Dutch accent. And uh, <laughs> <Holy crap. laughs> I, I, think, I think I put them up on eBay very soon afterwards, but could not get rid of those, you know, for now, like obviously mint in box. So. Mm. Mark. Cool. So that's it. Well, um, so for me, basically, my big thing is collecting albums. Obviously, I haven't collected collected many of them for a while, but I got into that kind of you know desire to pick up a few more. So I got three in just recently. So I got a an Italian pressing of Lick It Up. No, oh, nice. In there's the label. Yeah. Hey, that's damaged. That's got writing on label. <laughs> and I got and another thing is I was I've been starting to collect um Sweden pressings from Sweden they're not easy to find but I was luckily able to find a dynasty God they're not easy they're not easy to sell either <laughs> Holy shit came with that label Yeah hmm. And the last one that I got of course I'm sure Julian will approve alive is I got really? oh. a Oh, the UK cork. UK pressing of that's nice. I always like that label. Yeah. Where'd it go? So nice. You know, and right now I'm just really trying to nail down a couple of those countries because I have all my Canadian, all my US ones. So I want to try to get at least a full set of Italian and a full set of the Sweden ones. So it's getting <laughs> there. The Sweden ones taking a little bit longer. I just found a destroyer and I found a. I think it's a dress to kill. So I think that's what, what it was. But I know I have a destroyer. I just got that in this one. So the hunt continues. Nope, I've got a Swedish alive if you're interested. I wasn't able to sell it in India. I haven't been able to sell it in Kiss My Wax. Oh, and that's oh, really, with, eh? with a really freaking good price point on it as well. Absolutely. Okay, well, let me know. Driving me there insane. You go. All right, Lonnie, obviously uh, 
you know, you're you're not at home, but uh, any, not any additions or interesting case stories this week? <laughs> <laughs> um, what I've been doing recently is when I go to the gym, I have been just selecting a random Kiss album to listen to. Um, they're about most Kiss albums are about a half hour in length, so they they work out really good for for a four mile run or something like that, or, or, or 30 minutes on the elliptical or, or something of that nature before I switch things up. So, um, and it's just, and it's, I'm not doing them like in any particular order or anything like that. It's just whatever I feel like listening to that day for, for 30 or so minutes. So, um, I think Monday I listened to psycho circus from start to finish. And I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to psycho circus from start <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Like when's the last time I yeah. listened to Dreamin' or or are raise your or raise your glasses or you wanted the best, you got the best. I mean I, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to some of those songs. So it was it kept me it kept my interest the whole time. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're on the treadmill and you're like, Oh my gosh, you're looking at the clock. I can't believe I still got this much longer to go. But it held my interest for for the duration of it. And motivational? Well, yes and no. Um, it, it just it it was just different that. Well, well, this is why I don't like this album so much. Sometimes, you know. A reminder. Oh, you wanted the best, you got the best. You know, we badmouth that song quite a bit. You know what? That really does sound like garbage. I really don't like that. I do. You know, it, it, it's not. It's not a myth. It's true. So. Um, so it, it was, it was enlightening to listen to it, but you know, but, but it does have its, but it does have its moments. I really do like the title track, you know, and and I listen to the title track, Mm -hmm. I have the title track on, on different playlists and things like that on my, on my phone and into the void is really good. And you can definitely hear the Peter Chris drumming on into the void versus the rest of the tracks on the album. And when I was 19 years old, I didn't want to believe that. But today I can listen to it with an open mind and say, and you can you can instantly hear it from I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll into into the void. That boom, there's a different drummer playing on this track. You can definitely hear it. And I know Kevin Valentine did his best right. to imitate Peter Chris to make it sound like it was Peter Chris, but man, you can tell. You, and then on other songs, you can really tell and then go back to listen into, into the void. Like, wow, there's something totally different about that song. And it's yeah. the drummer. Style. And you can't you yeah. can't hide. You always say a band is only as good as its drummer. And I'm not saying good mm-hmm. as in Peter Chris was bad at that point or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you can definitely tell a difference in the drumming style from the rest of the songs on that album versus Into the Void. And... Just the song selection on there just still blows my mind with 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 dreaming with you one of the best with I finally found my way it's it's still a letdown to me and the you know it gets a lot of heat on kiss message boards it gets a lot of heat on on Facebook or Twitter or what have you but the legend is true about Psycho Circus it is not very good 
You know what? Well, come come September and the twentieth anniversary of that album. I was thinking about that. We have I, to do I, I think we have to do another. I know we've talked about it on an episode, but mm. come on, our opinions. Our opinions, or at least my opinions, change from day to day. So I am mm-hmm. not. I am not consistent. I don't try to be. I, I just say things right. you know that I feel in the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all kind of stream of consciousness. So I'd like to go back and visit that, and maybe play it in the background while we talk about it. And maybe even try and get a guest on about it. So I, I had one other um, current kiss thing, and that's just something that came in the mail. Um, of course, it came from Japan. So what's always nice about it is it says, do not bend. It's packaged in 18 layers of cardboard, and the USPS has smashed the fuck out of it with its automated. Uh, came with a big crease down the middle. <laughs> oh, it's got, it's got a gouge in it that goes... Right to where the stuff goes. So I, I just Played got to be with it during lunch. Yeah. So this is just a bunch of Japanese flyers. I'm not going to open them up. Um, you just see the ones that you can actually see. Where's the other one? Um, oh, nice. Obviously, obviously, when I do the on-tour books, I can't afford to license photographs. So I'm stuck using stuff like that. So there's a bunch going back, I think, to 97 in there that I got. All right. Let's get into today's topic, which, uh, you, you know, it's about... 1978 we're in the 40th anniversary of that year which was quite a year for kiss when you think about you start the year um essentially with double platinum end of the live two tour before that double platinum comes out then filming of kiss meets the phantom final recording of the solo albums into the solo albums and then into dynasty demos so um was it their swan swan Jesus, I should let Ken talk. Swung, swung. I can't even say. Yeah, you know, what about the, you know, kids' decisions, releases, and activities, and how would you have changed 1978? So, let's start with you, Mark. You know, what are the things about 1978 that you would change uh, to make now that we know that the movie was a dud? Um, and kill any chance of acting career that the solo albums were essentially a failure um, and they didn't stop the band from breaking up or fracturing um, so fail, fail, fail and they didn't tour well, and, and have any of that income coming in during the year well the thing is what I find is that I think a lot of this stuff might have been looked at differently or might have ended differently if there wasn't just so much turmoil within the band, you know, I mean, if, if those guys were getting along like a lot better than they were at that time period, then maybe, maybe making the movie would have been more enjoyable for them. Maybe they would have had fun doing it. Maybe it still would have sucked, but maybe at least they would have still, you know, had a good time doing it at least and not, you know, running off the set at times and not being around for voiceovers and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, if they would have been in a good mood, maybe that would have turned out better. And the solo records are the one thing that I think I would have changed. I mean, no matter how much I love those solo records, I think I would have probably tried everything in my power to make them not do that. Because no matter what band I think about, whenever you give a, a band an opportunity to fragment and do things on their own, as soon as somebody does better than the other then the wheels start going. You're like, well, wait a minute now. Ain't does that mean that I'm the man who's behind this band? Am I the guy who's the, you know, principal writer? You know what I mean? Then the gears gear start going, and it's never good for a band situation. That's why I always think that the best time to do solo records is when the band is done, like when the Beatles or something like that, when they were completely finished. Then they started doing their solo records, 
you know, when they started doing their big output of solo stuff. I think that's the best time to do it. I think that's the one thing I would have definitely changed is not to have done the solo records. Ken. Well, <laughs> um, you know, they, the part of the problem is they overexpose themselves. So obviously, um, unlike Vinny, <laughs> Um, but they overexposed them. I think it's part of it. Part of it's the record company's fault, uh, all coin, uh, coin management, and, and the whole bit, and the band. I think they all got full of themselves at that time around there, anyway. Um, but uh, as far as their production, I know they. I mean, the only the only song they recorded as a band, I think, in '78 was Strutter '78. Right. And they've been recording pretty regularly, like two albums a year before that. Um, so the solo album deal, I agree with Mark. Um, I would have had them not do the solo albums either. I would have had them take a long break, you know, give them a long break because they were burnt out. They were burnt out at this time and they've been torn for years and nonstop. So I would have given them a long break, gather the, you know, start writing songs, each of the guys, and then go in to record a new album. And I'm thinking a double album, record a double album of new music. Um, and, but, you know, give them all the time they need up until maybe, you know, August and they can start going back into the studio and record something. Now as for the movie, Come on, that was just a. To me, it's. I think it must have been a cash grab. I don't know how much you. You probably know how much they made, uh, Julian, on that. Um, but the deal is, they're not actors. Did anyone pre, you know, proofread the script? And we're talking. It's it's Hanna Barbera. <laughs> what are we doing? You know, this is not George Lucas. Didn't write this movie. Um, you don't know that. <laughs> under a pseudo name maybe. <laughs> but uh, ah, you know that that was just a, a, a big mistake right now I mean I enjoy watching the darn thing because it's 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 funny at part at the same time it's just a, interesting to see them on screen and then the, the you know the on stage parts which are you know always the best parts of it oh, uh, the, the on stage parts that, that's the, the only shit in there worth watching for me they should have just recorded a full movie of, of, a, of a show instead maybe um and put that out why, why not you know i know there was the uh, hbo special that they had like the year before or whatever um but yeah they could have done something like that but again the solo albums and the movie the movie no just don't do it give them a long vacation let them give them time to refresh recharge the batteries and and then start writing music and then bring it all in and try to put an you know album or double album out and have someone oh, maybe still Kramer produce it the record yes that's, that's where I would go I think one of the big problems with 1978 is that it's all defined in essentially December was at 76 when they renegotiated their contract. I think they, they signed it in January 77, which defined the solo <laughs> albums, which defined or re, uh, defined again, the two album per year requirement. So once they get to a live two, 
um, they had already committed in by June 77 to doing the solo albums and the comic books and all of yeah. kind of the merchandise. So it was like in, an inevitable rolling stone going down the other side of the mountain that uh, they knew they, they knew that they couldn't get a studio album out in time to meet the requirements of the contract. Therefore, double platinum happens with their blessing, obviously, because they did Strutter 78 on there. And then they're focusing on that, you know, the touring cycle for Alive 2. They're touring. You know, you look at the amount of dates that they did. It never really shows up being a complete slog on the road all through their career. You know, it's never, I'd say 74 and 75 are the most overbearing years in terms of the number of shows that they played. After that, it's like little, like, had been analyzed for them early on in Glickman Marks. They really dialed it back into short spurts of touring. So. Well, well quickly, uh, your comment about the, the contract and, and I know the solo albums. Uh, who, is it the record company that, Put that that they want to you know to do the solo albums on there or was it kisses management you know all a coin who puts that on there that you guys need to record four solo albums on the contract i i don't know i would assume and that might be a good one for Which Kurt, party Kurt jeff you know, to whose to, idea was it? to kind yeah. of answer uh, with some of the conversations that they've had uh with uh ck um it's it's not specifically about solo albums. You have to remember that it's the language in the contract. I can't remember if I uploaded copies of this contract on Facebook. Is that it should solo albums be recorded, then those would only count as two members counting for one studio album. That was how it was defined. Mm-hmm. It wasn't defined that you are required to record four solo albums. It just said that should solo albums be recorded, that they wouldn't count as a a whole album against the requirements of the contract uh, and that they'd only be seen as a two for one. So um, again, where does that come from? I don't know. To, to me, right. my, my way of thinking, that's all, that's almost that it comes from Casablanca's side saying, well, yeah. you know, because you're four very distinct characters, if, you know, if Gene and Paul decide to do solos, we don't want right. that to, to count against the contract as one. We're going to make sure that you have to have two of you doing one in case Peter decides he wants to do one. Yeah, right. So from a business point of view is where it, co- it seems to come from for me. But uh, again, I leave that open to interpretation. I, I would bet there are people who've uh, had conversations about that that know way more about me. Let's get to Lonnie. Um, in 1978, what are your thoughts? Uh, should it have happened or not? or And how would you change it? You know, I think what happened was good, but I think that the movie... The movie is totally overexposure, and the movie gets laughed at, especially by by non-Kiss fans. I mean, it's a cult classic among hardcore Kiss fans. But like going back to what Ken said, I mean, did you really read the script? Did you know who who told you guys that that, that the four of you could act? And besides, you know, but but the acting beside the point. You know, the the, the Beatles movies aren't the most well acted, um, you know, scripts either. So. But did you really read the script? I mean, Paul talks in um, Kiss Extreme Close-Up that, yeah, the movie was brought to us, and it was a hard day, a hard day's night meets Star Wars. And we were like, yeah. And it's like, 
Yeah, okay, fine, but read the script. I mean, did, did you read it and go, no, this is not a hard day's night meets Star Wars. You know, it's really easy, Paul or Gene or whoever, to sit there and bitch about the movie after it comes out. But did you take the time to read what we're actually going to do? Did you maybe in the process of of making the movie say, hey, wait a minute, this sucks? You know, what are we doing yeah. here? This is terrible. Pull the plug on it and let's go back to the drawing board. But instead you put out this product that some fans love it, some fans hate it. My wife won't sit through it at all. I made her sit through it through it once and she goes, no, I will never again sit through that. That was awful. <laughs> you know, I, if I if I want to watch it at the pick at night that she goes out with her friends, I'm, I'm going to watch that. But, you know... The, the movie's fine, but shouldn't someone be behind, in charge behind the scenes pulling the right lever saying, you know what, no, this is wrong. This is We're not doing this. We're not going to put ourselves out there on national TV and look like fools. Too many yes-men. Correct. And then in the meantime, you're putting out the solo albums, and I'm totally with Ken. I would have put out, and I guess you you, know, you you can't do this because of record contracts like Julian brought up, but I would have put, waited until 79 and put out mm-hmm. either a single album or, or possibly a double album, but I would have waited. And, you know, Kiss is good about waiting now and letting the demand rise back up. So because they, they were overexposed, maybe wait and let the demand rise back up and then hit them with something big, like a double album, double studio album of 20 of the best songs that you could pluck off those studio albums, or maybe even pluck that was going to be intended for Dynasty. I mean, we've all seen, like, what would you do with these four Kiss solo albums and make one great Kiss album? Well, maybe take those albums and even combine it with Dynasty and make one of the best Kiss albums ever in 1979 by waiting and getting cream of the crop material together. Go ahead and do the movie, but you know what? Make the movie what it should have been and not just run through it and say, line, and someone feeds you a line, and then that's a take. Maybe maybe take a little more pride in what you're doing with the movie and then wait and put out one of the best Kiss albums ever in 79. And again, like Ken said, have it produced by Eddie Kramer. You know, that's, or for, that's or for Mark's sake, Bob Esme. <laughs> That's great. That's a, it's a great idea. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic idea. <laughs> Thank you. But, it, but I think the problem is that at that time, they were in that that bubble that musicians get into where mm. everybody's patting them on the back and saying, that's right, baby. You, everything's fantastic. You, you're, you're a great actor, man. What are you talking about? Like, they, they don't have anybody saying to them that they suck or that this is terrible. If they did, maybe they would actually, you know, listen to it. But I think that they were at that point where they thought they could do no wrong, I think, and that's why all these things happened. Yeah, I think Lonnie came up with a very good idea there that I don't recall anyone ever mentioning on this show before, that perhaps if they'd taken that year off, maybe done something, say film a concert, uh, kiss at Magic Mountain, you know, and just have some cornball-like scenes in, interspersed with the full live concerts filmed, yeah. especially on occasion, uh, because the Japan stuff had only been HBO and... I, I think it was offered to some somewhere else. But take the year off. Just do that and then go into 79 and have a double album. I, I love that idea. Imagine Kiss Dynasty, the double LP. Here's new 1979 recordings and 
you know, essentially the best of the solo albums on disc two. Think of all the bands that have come back from a hiatus with a double album. I'm thinking specifically Physical Graffiti for Zep, though obviously they had reasons for the delay in between. But they went yeah. back to some of their stuff from 72, 73, and I think even earlier on a couple of the tracks on Physical. And then there was all new stuff that had been written in the immediate run-up to the release of that in, what was that, 75? So what what a great concept. You know, there is Dynasty, such a grand title for Kiss, coming back in 79 after a year off. And you wouldn't have had the solo albums. You wouldn't have had the fiasco. But then again, when we get back to, I think, Mark said, you know, Yes Men. I don't think as much Yes Men as Bill O'Coin by that time is focusing on so many other bands trying to break them as part of AMI. Toby Bow, uh, Angel Baby, whatever that song is. Um, Piper, who else he's got on the roster? You know, he's Virgin. You know, they're trying the, to break Billy them. Squire? Yeah, that, that was Piper. Uh, was that Piper? For yeah, that's Piper. Yeah. Yeah. You're at Piper, you're right. Yeah. So you've got... AMI is really branching out and trying to expand. Bill's trying to expand as part of that because he's been managing Kiss in 73. Um, the guys from Kiss are branching out. Gene Simmons has discovered Van Halen. And look what happens with them. Now he's working with Virgin. Paul Stanley, well, he's not doing as much. I mean, he's kind of biding his time in the background. He does do a little stuff with the Alessi brothers. Um and then eventually leading into 79 goes into new england so they're both kind of broadening out ace and peter i don't think they're showing any propensity for work outside the band party party yeah but maybe you know i i maybe peter should have just gone off and done a side project um but, you know, uh, again, we're, we're just getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. But Dynasty, I, I fucking love that idea. Double album of Dynasty. That would have been kick-ass. With the, with the straight jackets and uh, like they intended anyway. And I think they were originally going to call it Out of the Asylum or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's why they were going to use the straight jackets. Yeah, and then if they had the double album, they fold that open. And that's that one big picture of them all in the straight jackets right next to each other. Like that poster, you know, that they touched up. And then Ted Nugent there, ruined it all by using a straight jacket. So, yeah, you know, well, who cares if one more person uses a straight jacket? Alice Cooper used a straight Alice jacket. Alice Cooper got it before that. He, used, too, he so. used before that, and he even used it in again on, on from the inside. You know, now come on, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna steal, steal from the best, right, Paul Stanley? You, you, how many times have you <laughs> exactly. said that? Yeah, Kiss is good at doing that. Eric so Houdini <laughs> did it, you know. Or if you if you're gonna steal, make it better. So what if Ted Nugent's used a straight jacket and do it cooler? Your kiss, for God's sake. But what, right. is, what is the one biggest factor of 1978 that you would change? Would it be the Salams? Would it be the movie? You know, which one of those is seen as more of a liability or do you think is more of a liability that should be erased or and, and reformatted, Ken? Boy, <laughs> which one's more of a liability? Um, uh, ooh. Uh, I'm gonna say I, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the solo albums. Um, you know the, the movie. Not everyone saw the movie. I guess mostly kids watched it. I'm thinking, um, though I watched it when it was on, when they aired it. But uh, I wasn't a kid. I was you know whatever, maybe seven, sixteen, seventeen, whatever. Um, but uh, the solo albums, 
I think part of the problem with Phil Adams, and we didn't mention it here too, is you know we know all know that they overshipped the darn things, um, and they should have produced a lot less, and it wouldn't have been such a, they call a failure because they were shipping companies that were shipping records back to them because they couldn't sell them. So so maybe two hundred and fifty thousand a, a, a each record. Um, you know, press 250 of each of them, so you got 1 million going out instead of whatever it was, uh, 2 million. Uh, I don't know, a million and a bit each, uh, I think. It, it was a lot, but uh, so I think that would have helped. Um, again, it was a big, a big change right there because of, you know you, you're starting to see the the different sides of each member's you know music. Uh, you know, I think another thing that divided them then right after that was because Ace, you know, Ace's album turned out maybe not selling the best, but getting the most acclaim and having the big hit record on it. Lonnie, so. how about you? I'm going to go with the solo albums also because, I mean, that was I, I would rework the movie and I would get rid of the solo albums. I think the solo albums were a bigger mistake than the movie. Um I think it was too much overexposure. You put out basically more or less 40 songs in one day from Kiss. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? More or less 40. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers. I'm sure Julian does. He's probably correcting me in his mind already. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I, I just think it's too much Kiss if there's such a it's, if there's such a thing in the public side to put out that many. I know it's never been done before for a band to put out, you know, four solo albums on the same day by all the original members of the band. It's it's a great achievement. It's a great accomplishment. No one else did it prior. No one else has done it since. Maybe there's a reason why no one else has done that move. Because it's too much. It's overexposure. I think the movie, I would rework the movie and eliminate the solo albums. And don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not here to bash the solo albums. I think Ace's solo album, is fantastic. I think Paul Stanley's solo album is one of the greatest albums I own in my entire collection. Um, but I think it was too much, you know, in that in the comic book where it says, "Oops, I think I overdid it." That's exactly yeah. what it is. Right. Is I think we overdid. I think they overdid it um, at that point. It was just way too much, and and the overshipment of them, like you said, too. Man. You know, they they shipped all four of them like they were all four Kiss albums, and all four of these are going to sell just as much as Rock and Roll Over did, and just as much as Love Gun did. Well, you know what? A, a 12-year-old kid doesn't have money to go buy four Kiss albums at the same time. He's lucky he mowed enough lawns that he can go buy one, not yeah. all four at the same time. That's just not the yeah. way the world mm-hmm. works as far as your fans go. And Kiss's fans were getting younger at that point. So I think the 12-year-old kid mowing grass is a good example. Because their fans were getting younger at that point. Well, he sorry, have sorry. It, it would have been a 10-year-old fan by that time. You're, you're exactly So even even more my point then. He doesn't have the money to go buy four albums at once. He doesn't have the allowance money or the, or the grass money to go buy four albums at the same time on the same. Yeah. It's just I not did, there. I did. I did. See? About two at a time. So yeah. Correct. It, it just wasn't there. So who, so who did you buy the day it came out? The first two I bought were uh, Gene and Paul's. See? That's perfect. Imagine if someone bought one? just one, and uh, they bought maybe Peter's first. Yeah. And then they would have thought, oh, crap. 
wrestler like this, and then maybe they don't even oh, they don't even they don't even try. Well, you know, they don't even go back and like, oh shoot, uh, are the rest going to be like this? Maybe I won't even, go, you know, attempt yeah. to buy a Pauls or Aces or whatever. I mean, that could have been a drawback right there. I don't know. They should have done what they did with uh, Led Zeppelin's "In Through the Outdoor," put it in a paper bag so you didn't know which one you were getting. <laughs> I'm, I'm really buying the same one. I'm, I'm, I'm releasing a pack of baseball cards or something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it would, be, would have been like that. I mean, um, staggered the releases, you know, one each week, yeah. and they're all in paper bags, and you just don't know. There might be something on the back cover that kind of indicates. So you keep buying Paul Stanley's until you get a Peter right, Chris. Right, like buying a pack of baseball cards. <laughs> I got that way. There you I go. I got three Barry Bonds. <laughs> Can't get a Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> but uh, I, I think something that Ken and Lonnie both touched on is the the record industry dynamic that Casablanca and Neil Bogart. I mean, he's the biggest liability to Kiss in 1978. Probably selling them the line instead of um, shipping 758, 800,000 copies of each. No, we're going to do a million. No, we're going to go 1.25 each. I mean, he was the the master of his own downfall in that sense. There, there was something I was reading this week online. And if you Google the history of trigger by Derek Remington, and that's D E R E K trigger was another one of these rock bands signed to Casablanca at a time that they'd already become, uh, you know, very much the disco label. So having hard rock acts, I mean, I think they were stallion. The gods came in through millennium. Uh, one of the subsidiary labels, I managed to actually say that word. Um, angel was continuing to not do a whole hell of a lot. Um, trigger comes in in 1978 and again gene simmons is thanked on the back of the album simply for being uh, a proponent of saying yeah sign them they're a good band he didn't discover them or nothing they actually made it uh, had made a, re- a record beforehand but derek uh, does a week by i mean it's 48 pages of an old online forum and he just yeah. chimes in um every few days going back to 2013 or something um on the history of that band, how they got signed to Casablanca, and then more importantly for the context of what we're talking about here, many of the issues that were affecting Casablanca at the time as a business. Larry Harris has done a great job in his book. Um, I think Kiss and Sell does a pretty good job, but this tells it from an artist's point of view of what it was like to be signed to Casablanca and Casablanca had become such a bloated kind of single focus entity that they were only able to focus on one thing at a time so by the time the Trigger album is released uh, 78 it's like pushed out of the way in favor of a Studio 54 album um, and then allowed to die but the, he also talks about Casablanca falling apart internally and that's the immediate aftermath mm. of the release of the solo albums and the impact that it had on the record label. So just after reading that this week, I mean, beforehand, I would have said, uh, you know, when we started considering this sort of topic, I, I would totally have said the movie because they're a highly <laughs> visual band. And suddenly to show them in such a cornball method on, on TV really kind of reinforced to the masses that they had become gone from cool to kind of your seven-year-old brother's cool so oh, you yeah. lost you lost your teens and you'd had to have your tweens and and right. younger which is, is no way for success but once i read the the trigger stuff i started thinking well yeah we know about the damage the solo albums did to casablanca as a record label and here's a band talking about 
exactly how it collapsed and in the aftermath kiss is looking to even leave the label and we we know from everything that's been in the other books um you know about polygrams involvement in the label and buying in and uh, again it all comes back to the damage that shipping 1.25 million of each album does so that's the one thing i would change i i totally agree with lonnie and ken mark i didn't let you answer that before i went on a monologue sorry that's okay um basically my answer is the same that i had before which is i think it's the solo records i think that in my opinion the 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 movie did you know minimal damage to them i think that that's one of those things that they all kind of collectively could have agreed and said yeah that was maybe an error and could have just you know just brushed it off with a little bit of time and just moved on forward from it but i think just the the solo albums just did so much damage in so many ways like you mentioned as well like even within the record company itself because once the record company gets in trouble like that you know their confidence in the band now is being shaken as well right i mean you know sure maybe it's their fault for sending out so many copies of it and stuff like we said if they would have sent out less maybe it wouldn't have been so damaging but you know now in their eyes and don't forget too i mean a lot of these times when i was reading these books too a lot of people were saying that these guys were you know flying by the seat of their pants at this record label you know they were doing like weekly orders of cocaine with you know within the office because that's how the lifestyle was and it was everything was going crazy there so i mean logical thoughts sometimes maybe went out the window and they just you know went with just pure you know off the cuff ideas like this is a great idea and you know after two or three lines, any idea is probably That's good at that point. Right? That's a great idea. Give me another line. Yeah, you know, ideas are spewing I mean, out of me. Keep giving me. <laughs> so you get better. I, but that's the thing. I mean, at, at that point, when the when the record when the records start coming back, and their confidence is shaken now a bit about whether Kiss is gonna be able to, you know, keep them afloat even now. You know, it's those albums. You know, if they wouldn't have did those records, would that have happened? Three, two, one. Addie's back. Addie's God. You're freezing, Mark. Mark. He knows we're laughing at it. Say something, Mark. I'm here. You're back. Okay. You had a little pause there. Lost you about a minute ago. Or more. Okay. What? Where, where did you? Where did I leave off at? I don't know because it was breaking up pretty badly. <laughs> oh, <I> don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was only about thirty seconds, Mark. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I think it's just the solo records just t- did it for them. I mean, if they would have, they would have just ditched those. Everything would have been different because, like I said, the. I think the comp the confidence in the band was shaken as well with with the record label. That's another thing that I think happened with it. Yeah, you, you know when when we always talk about you know the salams are a mistake. How if they've taken the best of the material? I mean, it, it's very easy to say I can't stop the rain. I can totally see that as a Beth analog on a Kiss album. No problem whatsoever. Sure. You take the best of Ace's album, rip it out, speeding back, uh, probably one other by that time. You take the best of Jeans and you go back and take another song from Ace's instead. Um, you know, Paul Stanley's album. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, it's so easy to focus in on, on the, the Kiss solo albums and, again, getting back to the damage that they did economically. But should the band have hit the road? 
I mean, regardless of what the interpersonal relationships were like, the drug issues, the injury issues, all, the shopping issues, or the, the Hollywood issues, you know, once the solo albums are done, that's August 1978, they're released in September, the uh, the members do some appearances here and there, but it, not a whole hell of a lot of promotion effort by the band members. When you think about it, compared to the scale of advertising, was Casablanca's grand idea is that we're going to drop all this money on advertising, we're going to give Glickman Marks all this money for advertising. Well, what exactly was that advertising? Because I really don't see any record of it, of it actually being that great in terms of promotion yeah you printed up some assembled especially for radio um promotional lps they made some very nice black box uh bullshit fake interview cassettes to send out so that every dj could pretend they were interviewing the band i mean hell they even gave them the questions to ask for the answers that were on the cassette there Mm -hmm. is not that much promotional effort would it not have been better for the band uh, again, in a kind of best of the solos format, to have gone on the road, you put in Detroit Rock City, rock and roll all night, and then you pick two or three from each of the albums and play them live and be back on the road in the fall. When did the Alive 2 tour kick off? That went off in November 77. So why not get them back on the road in October 78, supporting the solo albums and maintaining the visibility? unless they're completely incapable of doing so at that point. And I think that's the answer. I think they were, I think they were incapable of doing it at that point. I think that they needed a break from one another. And that just goes back to, to my theory and and Ken's as well of, you know, just take a break from, from, from kiss, take a break from each other and then let's reconvene in 79. I, I don't think that the four of them were kicking. I mean, as much as the dynasty tour was a mess, I think a, a tour in fall of 78 could have been an even bigger disaster because I think that they were not getting along at all. Two of the members of the band wanted to quit the band. And I, I just think it could have been even, even worse. And, and, and maybe, maybe could have even spelled the end for kiss if they would have toured at that point in time because they they just weren't getting along at all and it could have been could have been disastrous i I would have loved to have seen it though just because you know it's one of those what if things if they would have went out and Mm -hmm. toured on it but i mean i read in a book somewhere i don't remember which book it was but somebody said that putting the band out on the road sometimes was helpful because they feared what would have happened to people like ace if he had too much time off and left to his (laughs) own devices you know, yeah. and so who who knows if you know if we we would have gave them a year, who knows? Maybe Ace would have maybe not even be with us anymore. Who knows, right? But um, I I think that that's one thing that I would have liked to have seen. To be honest, I would have liked to have seen them go back on the road with those songs and play them because I mean we only got to hear them play very limited songs from a, on the Dynasty tour. So I would have liked liked to have heard some of those songs in a live capacity. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting, you know, idea, Joanne. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Like you said, uh, they did the solo albums. They said, well, now let's throw out a best of solo albums, um, which they did. Of course, in other countries, they didn't do a best of solo albums in the United States, but, uh, to tour on that and call it the, you know, the kiss 
solo tour, solo album tour, whatever, it would be kind of interesting and, and see what happened. But the problem is if they did too many of the solo songs in concert, I mean, they would have to do a max of two per person, I guess, uh, per member, uh, you know, which would be, you know, whatever, um, eight, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I, think ego, I think egos could have really gotten in the way at that point, too. Like, well, if Paul's going to do three off his solo album, I need, I need, three, off, three. I need three off my solo album. How come he's getting yeah. three and I'm only getting two? I think egos could have really played a disastrous role in, in a tour like that. Yeah, I, I, th- yeah. I think two songs from each one of those albums would have been totally workable. Look at Peter. I'm, I'm sorry, but on the Dynasty tour, Tossing and Turning works really, really well for my tastes. You know, per- it's, it's perfectly fine. It's a great rock and roll song. Peter's just done an interview recently where he talked about why that's on his album, um, mm-hmm. you know, w- which is really kind of neat to, to read. Um, so tossing and turning and then stick him up for his Beth spot and have him do I can't stop the rain to pipe music right before he goes into Beth. You know, that's his two taken care of ace. Come on. New York groove would definitely have been one because it was the hit by that point. So you say, okay, AC pick another one. All right. What's it going to be? Rip it out, speeding back. Uh, you know, it's going to be one of those two more than likely. Paul is going to know immediately after hold me, touch me has made everyone throw up that they don't want to hear that live in concert, you know? So he's going to probably pull one of the three out that he did in 89. And again, in 2006, that's easy, you know, take two of those. Wouldn't you like to know me? And uh, tonight you belong to me. I think both of those would have worked very well with kiss. Whereas hold me, touch me, or actually he did uh, move on. Sorry. Um, You know, move on bad choice again for what was done during dynasty so pick one of the a little bit more kiss like songs gene therein lies the problem radio radioactive without a doubt man man for a thousand faces uh you know certainly his more rocking songs rather than going into the eclectic burning up with fever could have worked burning up with fever is not bad or shit see you in your dreams you listen to those songs to begin with Yeah, so I, I mean, there there are options that kind of make sense. You know, best of the solo albums as an album doesn't happen until November '79 anyway. In the in you know in uh, where is it? Australia, Germany. Sorry, Germany. Germany it came out. One? I believe it came out right around the time as the short know something single because there are like versions of the single back sleeve mm-hmm. that only have Dynasty on it, and then a. a the next printing has best of the solo albums advertised on it. Uh, but don't hold me to that as fact. So, you know, it comes out in Australia, pretty much every market except the U.S. So a year earlier, touring for that and then having it as an album the following year kind of makes more sense. But, you know, and again, this is just a, a what if. Um, yeah. it, it, it's all basically bullshit anyway, because obviously, obviously they didn't. It's just which one of these are, are bigger bigger problems, or which do we think might have worked better? Kiss Me's the Phantom of the Park too. Devereaux's Revenge. <laughs> no. Devereaux comes back as a robot to take his revenge on Kiss. The clone. <laughs> <laughs> Attack of the clone. Devereaux. Yeah, I think, I think in all, all, all the kind of research I've done for all these fucking books I've kind of compiled, I, I'm always stunned that when you think about the amount of effort that went into the solo albums, mm. that maybe the budgets were all spent because the promotion of them really seems weak. 
the sing the yeah, choice yeah, of singles sounds you know seems insane i mean i understand maybe paul wanting to put out hold me touch me because it's a completely different side of him it's unexpected it's different uh is it different enough to really generate a conversation um to a little bit of notoriety no because it really wasn't that good compared to everything else that was on the radio and the other kiss singles you, you know what's funny though you kind of made made an interesting point though because in the book the ck lent book he does mention that paul started at one studio and then stopped said he didn't like right. it and and bailed on it and went somewhere else and lost his deposit that they had on that place so there's money flushed down the toilet Gene Simmons is doing a record where he's flying in lots of people in that are guests. There's lots of extra money yeah. put in, right? Yeah. So it's true. Maybe they maybe they did you know use up all that money, and maybe there wasn't as much for the promoting as we think there is because in that book CK did, he lined it all out how much everything was supposedly in dollars and cents, how much you're going to spend on each thing, right? So, so we yeah, so we spent so much money on these solo albums. Let's press a whole bunch extra copies of them, so so we'll get the money back because they're gonna get all bought up. Right yeah. And, yeah, and and of course you give the advertising budget to Glickman Marks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it, 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 come on, it was all a bit of a scam anyway. You know, that was written into the contract to yeah. get them more money. Did that mean that five hundred thousand yeah. per album was going to be spent on advertising or whatever was defined in the contract? Are you fucking nuts? No. no. <laughs> totally not. It's like going into, where's my 20%, says the manager, or, you know, and, and then Glickman marks. Where's my cut? All right, which means there's 49.95 left for advertising. Let's print up some calendars. Um, you know, so overshipping, not enough advertising, changing dynamic of the fan base into a younger that's, you know, had to mow lots of lawns in order to afford their Kiss albums. You know, Julian, I can still remember to this day watching American Bandstand, you know, Dick Clark, American Bandstand, they used to play on Saturday mornings, and they actually they actually spun Radioactive on there. I thought, I couldn't believe my ears. I'll never forget that. I was like, wait a minute, they don't play Kiss, first of all, on there. Really, and and then to play radioactive, out of all this stuff, it's like holy cow. Uh, so I don't know. I know Dick Clark was kind of a friend of the band. He was a supporter. Yeah, he's always been a big supporter. Always was a supporter. But so I was, I was like shocked. You know, hearing <laughs> it was so out. How did they even? They couldn't dance to the darn thing. You know. Yeah, radio. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> It's not a dance song. It would have been the edit, so it wouldn't have had that but long. I do remember that. So they wouldn't have had the intro. The long intro. Can you imagine all the stiffs trying to, how the hell do we oh, dance to the intro? You, you talked to the intro. I was just reading today, kind of, because I knew this was happening. But I guess they they recut that single, right? I think the original single may have had the intro on it. Uh, but I heard they, or I read that they recut without the uh, intro. For the regular single, I don't know if they did a second single or they were just trying to say that they just took it out of that period. You know the the intro part. Wait, I don't know. I read something wait, wait, about. Wait, are are you saying there are, there's a variation of the radioactive single that has the, the full song? This one sounded like it to me. It sounded like it the way I was reading it, but wow. maybe 
it, it, it never it never ceases to. I, I was gonna I was gonna look into it. You know, just like I, it's like the elder. I mean, there are versions apparently. Um, it's been verified now that uh, copies of the original mix did get out in America. With well, yeah, with I saw the, oh, yeah. we saw that on the. Kiss I'm looking Wax. for that. <laughs> What's the Facebook group? Kiss my wax. You know, yeah, you never, you never would have known. I'd seen promos. Uh, I had seen label stock printed up for that because obviously some surfaced a few years ago when we were working on uh, Odyssey. I saw those up on eBay, went after them. Uh, I never thought that it had actually gotten press. So who knows? I mean, Radioactive as the full the full song, cool shit. I mean, I, I just don't know how much of it I can trust these days because all the, all this fake shit that's turning up, like fake first English singles, um, Australian singles being counterfeited. Um, uh, you, you know, yeah. you, you haven't heard of it about for 40 years, and all of a sudden you've got this stuff. Uh, it, it's now you become a little bit of a doubting Thomas about it. So kind of yeah. weird. All right, any last things about 1978, and what would you change? I mean, are there any other things that occurred? in 1978 other than say the movie that uh well the only positive of 78 i think is double platinum it's still one of my favorite albums it's so. yesterday was the uh, 40th anniversary yesterday yeah the, i think oh really yeah 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 we did right. our, we did our episode a little early on that because yeah i always think more yeah. 78 for that for some reason but uh you know double platinum i think is is i would not change it you know they weren't going to yeah. make the time frame for the album, so uh, for a studio release. So yeah, I wouldn't change a thing with um, the double platinum, other than perhaps the intro to Rock Bottom. Um, <laughs> yeah, and having more and having more hotter than hell tracks on it because those ones sound absolutely fantastic on, yeah. the, mm-hmm. on that album. Mm-hmm. All right, any last thoughts okay. before we call it a show, Mark? No, I'm I'm good. Hey, I, I I I'm giving you an opportunity. What's up with Project Gemini? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's waiting for Julian um, to engrave it for him for the opportunity. <laughs> well, I'm I'm waiting. We're waiting too. Right at the perfect time. We are Every waiting. Time this well. happens. You're paused again, Mario. Oh. You can't hear us, but you're, you're frozen. You got, oh, now oh, you're, you're back. back. Can, can we have take two on that, please? Start from the Hello top. Again, take two on okay. Project Gemini. So, I was going to say, I'm waiting on a phone call from ah, the yes, pressing plant. And uh, hopefully I'll be picking up the albums, hopefully tomorrow. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. That's the main thing I'm waiting for. Um, and right now I am tracking bass tracks. The bass tracks are being done now for the new record. I just finished the long, epic 13-minute song for the next record. That's done. So another seven, eight songs to do. And then, uh, yeah, it's going good. Hopefully, I'm hoping that by June I'll have this next one ready to go. So, But right now I'm just mainly waiting for this vinyl to be done so I can get it out to everybody. Oh, there it is. Wow, he's a Mark Lemming. <laughs> I, I I dig Mark's stuff. I hope he I hope he releases that uh song that he shared with me uh at some point in in the future that uh, mm. you haven't played for everyone. I don't think it's been on any of your releases yet. Um, what do I have going on? I just got a shipping notification. Halla fucking Luya. Seven boxes, 150 pounds worth of books are on their way. Just uh, in, uh. just in. I'm, I mean, I'm one day away from my drop dead date for indie. 
and they've just shipped, which means they should hopefully get here in time for me to re-fucking ship them to Indianapolis, um, which is coming up. So we got our dealer table uh, placements today for that expo. I'm going to be, hopefully it doesn't change, I'm going to be right next to the Ages of Rock guys, Alan Tate, Dennis Talbo, oh, and, cool. God, I can't remember the last guy's name, I, uh, Bill Algae. Yeah. Uh, hung with you guys before it'll be good to see you again right next to me on the other side robert fleischman and uh, podcast rock city a couple tables Great. down tom shannon and kiss my wax across from me you see rep- replicas which hopefully means uh little andrew little andrew little andrew so <laughs> looking forward to that i'm going to be talking about that every episode i do before i go to indy so all right i think that's it for today Gentlemen, as always, thank you for joining me. Everyone out there, what would you change in 1978? Would you get rid of Double Platinum? Would you get rid of the movie? Would you get rid of the solo albums? What would you change? How would you change it in order to make 1979 an even better year for the band than it actually turned out to be? So for now, from Mark, from Ken, from Melania and myself, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you wherever you listen to us. Bye for now. I hate dolls. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.